Get your films on with the blurs. Once an idea has taken hold of the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate. Unpacking movies has never been more spot on, woke, fire, and just plain lit. They are lit all the time. So if you're unsure whether or not to plop down some cash for a film, check out the blurs. When a man with a 45 meets a man with a rifle, the man with a pistol is a dead man. Rondo's got what plants crazy. It's got electrolyte. You really only need to hang mean bastards. But mean bastards, you need to hang. Don't say you weren't warned. Ridiculous. Here's Brandon and Jeff. Hello, and welcome to a special interview slash review of the film Blurds. Uh, me and Jeff, we're joined here today by my good friend Lenny. Lenny, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, Internet. My name is Lenny Emery. Uh, I'm a filmmaker uh, from New Hampshire. I've been living in New York and L.A. for the better part of my adult life, uh, making feature films, TV pilots, short films, um, just finding different ways to tell stories through the medium. And Lenny, why did you join us today? Uh, I joined today uh, to talk about my new feature film, Nobody's Home, that just premiered at Dances with Films New York over the weekend, um, as well as some more screenings coming up. Um, and to also speak a bit about the uh, the video game I developed for the film also that uh, I try to use gaming and filmmaking to bridge storytelling. I wish I had known that you were at Dances and Films this weekend. I was just there. My my film was playing. What? Yeah, what man. Day, what what day were you there? Uh, Saturday. Uh, I was there on Sunday. Oh, shit. Nice. Well, you should send yeah. me your film, Jeff. I'd love to check it out. Yeah, man, we'll trade. I'm with that. All right. So I Jeff hasn't gotten to see it, but I've gotten to see it. And uh, this is one you did you co-write it, Lenny? I can't remember. No, no, no. I was the lead so producer just, on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you were an editor. So you produced it and you edited it. And uh, it's a it's a really good indie film. Like, I got to say, like, you guys used your resources and budget to make it look like a feature you know what i'm saying and it, it the narrative works it's it's a it's a nice little indie thriller like I, it really is a good movie and shout out to louisa like i hope she gets some other projects from this uh so what's what, so ahead, i was say what what's what's the what's the story what's the log line what's the the, the elevator pitch so we, yeah, go, so ahead, we know. go ahead go ahead so nobody's home is about two couples and one couple is from a mental asylum while the other is high on acid and neither couple know each other and they both end up at a house that neither of them are supposed to be at but they each have their own reason for picking this house so while they're both these couples are at the house um basically becomes aware uh, different points in the film through different people that there is a dead body upstairs and it turns into a bit of a whodunit um, as the truth of who the people are is revealed and why they picked this house but also as uh, the movie comes to the end uh, basically the some of the other family members of the home that owns it uh, come home and basically come in and say who are all you and why are you in my house um but yeah basically it's a film um a very strong uh film in the sense of you know psychological thriller with a lot of dark comedy in it but also uh talks about mental health and kind of the struggles of people with you know basically uh not being able to control their mental health uh whether you know they can or cannot 
you know, be the best version of themselves. All right. I love it. I love, I love, I love the concept. Now, my question for you, let's start this off with this question. What specifically about this project attracted you as a producer that you went on, that you believed in it so much, you even edited the movie? Why this project? Um, well, there's two things that attract me to a project, and this film had both of them. It was a great script. Luisa did a phenomenal job writing the script. Um, it really had a lot of tension in it. Um, and I think I'm a big fan of uh, Less is More in terms of storytelling and filmmaking. Um, and one of my favorite films is Reservoir Dogs, where the majority of the film takes place in a single location with a few cast members, which is, you know, obviously a model we see throughout filmmaking. Um, so with this film, I saw four people creating high tension, one location, which meant it was also approachable to make the film in terms of a low budget indie feature, because, you know, there's a big difference between you know, I would say millions of dollars and, you know, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars to make a movie. And I think it was also the group of people on the project. Uh, we all got along really well as friends. We all believed in the story for the same reasons. We all had great uh, bodies of work for, uh, you know, past films we've done. And overall, just, you know, the stars aligned. Uh, and from my experience, there's a million reasons why movies don't get made and very few why they do get made. And this yeah. film definitely had a, a lot of reasons to push through it. And um, it was, you know, in, even with the editing, there was a lot of um, ups and downs and roller coaster rides to get it over the almost three years I've been with the project. But I'm so grateful for how it's come out. And, you know, the feedback we've been getting has been, you know, tr tremendous, honestly. So uh, this was directed by uh, I'm trying to I'm on the IMDb. No, Michelle Bossy. What's no Michelle Bossy was the director. Uh, oh. Louisa was. Did I lose the, you? Oh, yep. still here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We we got audio. Uh, so Louisa Ehrlich, uh, she wrote it, but. Michelle Bossy directed it. Now, did you break like what about Michelle Bossy uh made you want to go that direction? And like was she brought in before you or after you? Was she your pick? So, she was brought in after me. Um but I helped with that picking. Um you know, I basically one of the things I'm adamant about is um, just collaborative environments in terms, especially low budget indie features. Um, and this was not my first one. So I had, uh, you know, learned many things on my first feature film that I was able to, you know, spot in advance on this one. Uh, Michelle had already directed a feature uh, that I would say was a low budget indie feature, um, different style. But I could tell from when I watched her film that she had experience in working in the same models of film, which is like, you know, small location, small cast, and just kind of building the biggest story out of that. And so when we met her, we loved her. It was kind of like a, a you know, a blind date uh, for us to bring her onto the project. But she really clicked with everyone. She's also a great producer-minded uh, director, so she understands how to make uh, executive decisions that will help the budget, the schedule, the logistics that still create a strong story, which I'm a big fan of in the modern day of filmmaking. You know, it's not the same thing as it was in the 70s. So 
it is, it was, um, you know, Michelle did a phenomenal job coming in, uh, taking what Louisa had put onto paper and helping us bring it to life on the screen. And she also was helping with casting and just really like pulling in, you know, some of the, the people we worked with in post. Um, so she was all overall like a phenomenal team player, um, which, you know, this, this game of filmmaking is a team sport at the end of the day. And she did a great job with it. Now, I want to know, Lenny, since you were both producer and editor, did you wrestle over those two positions? Because I know as a creative, sometimes as a creative, I butt heads with producers where and I get where the producers coming from, because, you know, you have a budget, you have a schedule, got to stick to it. We got to get this over the finish line. And as a creative, I do want my creative freedom to bring my vision fully to life as much as possible. So in the editing process, as an editor, were you wrestling with those two positions where as a producer, you're like, oh, I think we got to cut this scene. But then as a creative and as uh, for an editor to keep the flow of the movie going, like, hmm, maybe we should keep this scene in. Can you talk about how that went during the editing process? Yeah, it really was actually uh, a bit of a struggle to turn off one side of the brain for the other, um, because I would say with, you know, low budget indie features, um, from my, my experience in sales and distribution end of it, you know, they always want your film to be kind of shorter and faster and to the point. If you're not a Citizen Kane, try not to even go above an hour and seven minutes, right? Like that would be like, you know, a lot of sales and distros dream is your you know, your smaller films are shorter lengths and almost not like less beats. But I think what with the film and the tension we were building in the film, there had to be a lot of room for um, for breath, for basically scenes to kind of have that awkward pause or have that stare that just kind of gave more than any dialogue could, you know. Uh, we had phenomenal talent. Um, obviously, I want to give a big shout out to Bays, Ruffin, and Julio, alongside with Luisa, as well as my buddy Gabe, who is all these phenomenal actors that, um, you know, have great backgrounds, really brought to the table. And, you know, you have to walk the fine line of what's going to keep the audience still drawn into the film but also what is going to allow this film to not feel so, you know, cookie cutter. You don't want to have every scene be the exact same amount of time. You don't want to have all the pacing, uh, you know, not adapt or develop throughout the film. So as we got into later in the film with more tension, it was tough, especially there's a, there's an infamous brownie scene of our film and building that scene out, um, was just difficult because there's four characters all, kind of having a meltdown at the same time and how do we evenly distribute the audience's attention over all each of these characters without diluting any of them but also with keeping it in a runtime that we know is healthy for this film as you know the bigger project so zooming out from some of the scenes to really be able to look at it um you know how is this impacting the full film but then also like how is this helping drive the story stronger it was it was a regular struggle which, you know, the editing, you know, we spent about an, a year uh, in post on it because, we you know, we had to cut it down. We had to fine tune it. We had to, you know, refine tune it. And then, you know, as uh, music comp came in, as um, our VFX came in, it allowed us to make more executive decisions on how much we need to focus on certain shots, how much we need to. Because it's sometimes a guessing game until you have all your assets, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. And, so it was it was a it was a really like 
big challenge for me. Luckily, though, I actually went to film school for editing, and I edited a documentary that was at Tribeca the year before, um, which had me polished up a bit to really put on my, like, how do I, you know, an editor is a writer in a certain sense of a film, right? It's, it's the rewrite of like what you got on camera and putting it into the film itself. So I had to really like spend some time with it and trying to look at the film as a writer, if you will, um, more so than just an editor slapping the shots together. Um, so it was a, it was a big challenge, but it was something that really, I felt really, um, like I brought my filmmaking to a new level by having to problem solve some of these for this film. So uh, I'm, I'm going through the IMDb of this, uh, of the project, and like Ryan Leibowitz, he was the line producer on my last film, Wait. Dan Roberts. <laughs> Dan Sorry. Dan Rob Dan Robertson. He was my first AD on my last film. I love like, Ryan and Dan. That's amazing, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, you know, they're a fucking tag team. They're they're, they're awesome. Uh, and Gabriel Rush, <laughs> he was in a movie I like directed three or four years ago. So like it's 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 crazy, you know. The I feel like Jeff, crazy. Jeff approves of our cast and crew. Yeah, man. So, like, you got a good team. Like, so now I really, I'm really excited to see this movie now. Yeah. yeah. No, and and I mean, if you know, first off, big shout out to Gabe Rush. I've been making films with him for the better part of 12 years. Um, he was in one of my first shorts, and Gabe really, um, I mean, he's such a talent. I mean, he's been in multiple Wes Anderson films been in huge commercials he is just you know really a versatile actor and he came in and played uh one of the roles in the beginning of the film and really just helped set the precedence and that's that was what's so cool about this film and you know going back to the question um about what attracted me is just so many talented people read the script and like this is phenomenal let's do it you know and can we pay you the most money in the world? Absolutely not. But like, we're all here because we love this. We did it in the middle of the pandemic too. So mind you, this was peak, like COVID rates are going through the roof. You know what I mean? Like probably the most dangerous time to make a film is when we put our helmets on and went to battle, you know? Um, So we had odds against us in every facet of making this thing come to life. And it was a struggle sometimes but the product is just so beautiful; it makes it all worthwhile. So, uh, I don't like you. Don't have to give me specifics, but what what budget range are we talking about for this? And like, how like is this privately funded? Did was it like a equity thing? Was it like crowdsourcing? How'd you how'd you come up with the budget? But like, what was like? You can go like you know, give me a range. Yeah, I mean, I think we landed in the one hundred and fifty area at the end of it. Um, a little above and that's with us having to you know have a couple extra days um we had to pause for when covid was becoming a thing just for everybody's safety for a few days and that really kicked the budget up um so it was it was in the 150 range um and then oh sorry what was the other part of the question jeff uh like i'm sure some of the people who are listening to this want to know how did you raise those funds? Oh, um, I mean, it was it was privately raised through basically friends and family of the film. Um, you know, I would say that um, there's definitely um, people who believed in the filmmakers. Um, 
So I'd say a little bit of all the above. I mean, in terms of equity, like, I mean, there was definitely some people that worked for some equity on it when we didn't have rates to pay them. So, you know, it's a, a mixture of in-kind services for those that believe in the project, um, a mixture of donations and slash investments. But, you know, f- f- indie feature films, when you're investing into that project, you kind of know at the end of the day, you're investing into the art and to the people. Um, so it was a thing where, you know, with some of the, uh, the investors, it was more about believing in the bigger project and the future projects that we're putting together. Cause, uh, this team, we're, we're already talking about making some more projects together. So the idea is that, you know, this type of project is opening the door for other opportunities. Um, and even though we're now going into sales and distribution, like all of our investors, all of our backers, everybody went into it knowing this is a dollar and a dream. This is not an Avengers movie with like, you know, healthy ROIs. Um, so privately, you know, funded a lot of donations, a lot of like, you know, friends and families investments, and then people just working for equity out of the love of the project. All right. Well, I, I just have one more question, Lonnie, which is, um, you know, how does it feel now? I've seen some of the reception you've got and you've gotten some feedback from me, right? How does it feel now to be at the finish line and getting this reception, which has been positive? Like, how does it feel like three, three years worth of hard work paid off now? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's honestly was like emotional being at the premiere because, you know, it's been three years on this film, but I'm 34 and I've been doing this since I was 16. So in a certain regards, it was it was almost surreal when I got to the red carpet and, um, uh, you know, I there's like 15 photographers there to take my picture. And like, not like, not like, you know, your friend photographers, like this is like press outlets. I had to go on a step and repeat for a few minutes and just like getting drilled by photographers, which was, you know, uh, I guess paused. But, um, (laughs) sorry, uh, getting, getting, uh, shot by photographers. Um, and it was just beautiful because it was kind of like, damn, I guess like people are starting to really recognize the work and recognize the hard work that goes into it. So, I mean, it was, it was really beautiful and like, you know, we're kind of like now just starting to see the, the fruits that we've, you know, planted from years ago are starting to really come into, come into life. And it's, it's been beautiful. So, I mean, Uh, it's something I would say too, to any filmmaker out there is like, you just got to keep going because the more you do it, the more you're going to learn. And the more you learn, the better you make decisions and the better decisions you make, the better opportunities that will come to you. And I feel like this film was, you know, 10 plus years of me willing to work for no money, me willing to just tell stories. Um, but now the universe really like acknowledging it as well as my team acknowledging it and allowing me to be a part of these projects that just make it really worthwhile. I think I said to you on the phone, but when we were talking about doing this podcast, like if I felt like a real movie producer for the first time in my life, you know what I mean? Like a feature film, walk right. in at red carpet, Jeff, you've been at dances with films. It's a great film festival. They really yeah. like mm-hmm. make it special for the filmmakers. And it felt like I had, you know, arrived in a certain sense and, you know, just, it, it really was like, I was taken back, you know, I had to call my mom afterwards. I'm like, holy shit, mom, they love it. Like it's, 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 it's like, it's amazing. So, you know, it's, it's definitely been a dream, honestly, seeing this film come to life. Now I do have one more question and this, this, this will be my final question for you, Lenny, because I like to ask everybody this, like I've asked broken lizard this, I asked uh, big filmmakers this. And my question is, 
you know, every film is a learning process, right? You learn new things you and you take that knowledge on. Was there anything you learned making this one that you're going to use going forward on your next projects? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think what I've really learned, I think what I've 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 figured out, I know I'm really good at figuring out is like I can read a script a mile away and basically, re- you know, know if it's going to be, a, a, a you know, a film that is worthwhile making in the sense of logistics but also in storytelling like sometimes people have phenomenal scripts and they can't like you know who can raise 30 million dollars for a script though right so i feel like i've gotten really good at auditing scripts to to realize if they're worth developing and even though i cannot speak about this or give out names um you know at our premiere you know we had some big big people there and some of the projects i might be working on the future are going to be much higher budgets, basically working with some of the most famous people in Hollywood. And that's come from me showing that I can spot scripts, I can work on set for logistics to make sure the shoot goes well, but then also edit the movie myself to make sure it's tightly put together. I mean, I even did the movie poster, one of the movie posters, uh, our main one, which is like a collage of photos where I brought my boy Nick DeRazio in to shoot the photos. Um, and then we worked with a couple of graphic designers to basically make the collage. And I'd never done that before, but it just shows like every facet of it's not just the movie. It's just like the packaging, the marketing, all these materials you need. Like this film was an opportunity to showcase my, uh, talents and putting that together and it paid off. And even the video game, which I'd love to talk a bit about too, um, was something that I was able to, you know, work with this project and developing a video game for, that uh, I think has also given us a very unique stance in the film space and the media space, if you will, and entertainment space that I want to take forward and double down with other films that I do. Okay. Jeff. Uh, So what's next for the film? When can we, uh, are you close to distro? Where can people see it? We are close to distro. We've definitely had some uh, meetings about it. We wanted to have a world premiere first, which we now got out of the way. So we have some more um, screenings coming up in the New York and L.A. area this uh, year, which, you know, we're going to be posting about once we get full confirmation on dates and all that details. And then from there, you know, we'll be uh, on obviously all the the streaming platforms, depending on what the distribution deal is um, soon, honestly, probably by uh, mid next year, uh, I would say, depending on when our, our festival run ends. So I'd say in the next six months, you know, you can expect to see us on, uh, all the standard platforms that you can watch, you know, all sorts of films on. Uh, so tell, tell our audience, like, how can they get in contact with you or like, follow you, follow the movie, like support, you know, give us all your socials. I mean, my social is Lenny Emery, L-E-N-N-Y-E-M-E-R-Y. Um, the feature film is Nobody's Home Movie, um, both on Instagram, Twitter, all the the major platforms. Um, and then obviously IMDb page, you know, we're always updating that. Um, but I would say Instagram, you can see us posting lots of photos from our, our screenings. And then, um, you know, we, uh, we basically, we are very approachable and reachable. So shoot me a DM got a question, want to see the film, want to see some trailers, our trailers on YouTube. Um, you know, we're always looking to talk to other filmmakers, other, you know, film advocates and people just like to watch good movies. 
All right. Well, yeah. Lenny, I want to thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on. Wait, uh, before before we jump, can we talk about the video game a little bit? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, go ahead. Cool. I'm something something I'm really proud of um, that uh, I've spent, you know, years developing. And I basically, uh, you know, took money out of my own pocket to make was we developed an iPhone video game that acts as the prequel to the movie. And the idea behind that is, is that I love video games. Gaming is a big reason why I got into filmmaking. But I wanted to create an opportunity to expand the story um, using gaming. And in the game, it's called Nobody's Home Escape. You actually play as um, Theodora and Luca um, before they leave the mental asylum, preparing their escape. So if you look at, if you watch our film and you see the end of it, all the characters who are in the mental asylum at the end, um, we have recreated into like a Game Boy style video game that is on iPhone and Android and we'll have on other platforms once we wrap up the project. Um, but basically, like to think that we created a unique way to expand storytelling um, using gaming as a platform, but also like I would say still making a fun, unique gaming experience as a standalone product, a unique film that's fun to watch as a standalone product, but then bridging those two together to create uh, an even more expanded storytelling experience. So is it available now? No, or? it's about it's about to be done. We're at the 80% mark. I'm like approving dialogue right now um, for the okay. characters in the film, or characters in the game, um, just to make sure everything is tight. And, you know, we all the puzzles and basically making sure, like, the clothes that they pick up, like, you know, they change into clothes before they go, matches what's in the movie, right? Like, we, we even took the music score from the film. We had an original score, and we created, like, an 8-bit version of it for the game. Oh, so, wow. like, we're, we're really trying to create the same universe in a humble sense because I do believe that we're entering this era of, Media is expanding and entertainment is expanding outside of its one, um, you know, discipline, right? Of its one, one form. So I wanted to create something that would, you know, help you take the world of the film and be seen in the game and vice versa from the game to the film. Okay. All right. Anyways, sounds, I cannot wait for all of this to come together. Uh, and for like, for me to experience the game, but also for me to see the movie. This sounds, this sounds fascinating. I appreciate that. I'm really excited for you to see it, Jeff. And I just want to say too, like shout out to the film blurds. This is definitely like, uh, one of my favorite podcasts. I've been a big supporter, um, for a long time. And I've loved to see how much y'all have grown and just supporting filmmaking on the indie level on the, you know, blockbuster level and just the, you know, ability to take people like me to talk about my story and my time on it. So I want to say thank you very much for having me on here. Oh, I mean, no problem. Anytime, man. And thank you for coming on, man. You talking about your movie. Like, like, yeah, like once you once you get like distro locked in or whatever like that, read like we'll we'll press it. We'll try to get more people, more eyes on it, you know? I appreciate that. Yeah, no, that'd be great. This, is, this has been awesome. All right, brother. It was, it was good meeting you. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks, guys. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, uh, Take it easy. Later. We're the Film Blurs. I'm Brandon Nord, and I'm the motherfucking protagonist. I'm the protagonist. I'm Jeff Stewart, a.k.a. He Who Remains. Don't come at us. It's just fucking movies. You've been listening to the Film Blurs Podcast. Man, I just love what you guys do, man. I never miss an episode. It's the best. It's my favorite podcast. Follow Jeff on IG on MindFireXL and Brandon on Twitter at BJN Tweets.